have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is a People of More podcast. Enjoy. It's a blessing to be here with you all on today as we have come um, assembled together to praise and give a response to God and his goodness. There are many people on this day who did not wake up. There are many people on this day whose lives have been changed. And if God is so fit to bless you on today, I believe it's an opportunity for us to give him praise, to give him a response. In like manner to his goodness. Amen. Um, We spent a lot of time this week uh, at camp. We were at camp this week and we were talking about the the practices of Jesus, the disciplines of Jesus. And uh, it was interesting seeing, again, young people worshiping God, giving praise to God. Uh, There was about four, five yeah, five baptisms um, this week. And so that was a powerful thing to witness um, in and of itself. Um, e- even though it was uh, super hot, and we were sweaty and stinky. Nobody minded loving on each other, and hugging each other. Um, it was a it was a great time to just unplug. Um, so it's a blessing. Thank you all for uh, blessings uh, and prayers for travels, traveling grace um, while we were away. It's good to see an extra lion this morning, um, CTCS lion this morning. Y'all can um, make her feel awkward after we dismiss with welcomes and hugs and such. Yes, hugs. Um, so we've been in this sermon series, uh, Strong, Courage Over Fear, Courage Over Fear. And as we've been looking at the book of Joshua, um, We've been noticing some things uh, about what it means to transition, what it means to go into new places, what it means to have courage and not fall to pieces when things are strange and foreign and alien to our lives. And so as I'm reading the text this week, um, I come across chapter five and I have no choice but to think of uh, Mission Impossible. You see, now I know a lot of you in here, uh, you may have grown up in a time where Mission Impossible was in black and white. And uh, but my Mission Impossible agent is Tom Cruise. Right. Tom Cruise is one of the uh, most fantastic, energizing actors of our time, of of medium age people time. And uh, he's a thrill seeking actor. And Tom, Tom Cruise, he does his own stunts. Right. And so I, I saw a trailer for the new Mission Impossible and Tom Cruise is riding a motorcycle straight towards the edge of a cliff or a mountain. And you, I'm thinking he's going to do like he did in the previous movie and jump off and let the motorcycle slide to the edge and he barely stops. 
But Tom Cruise, with this crazy self, decides to drive off of a mountain, jump off of the motorcycle with the parachute on, of course. Um, although I'm sure he might try to do it with that parachute. I think he believes he's invisible. Um, but he jumps off and he jumps into the clouds. And that shows you how high up he is. Tom Cruise jumps into the clouds and he disappears. And I'm thinking about this as I read the text. And I, I know that the stunt is carefully thought out. And I know that it's quadruple check for safety. And he's trained and he's done a lot of crazier things. But sometimes God asks us to do something according to his mission that is perplexing. It's not impossible, but it's perplexing. God never asks us to do anything that we're not capable of doing. Amen. Uh, I, I'm going to have to ask y'all again. God never asks us to do anything that we're incapable of doing. Amen. But God does ask us at times to do things that are, are, are kind of perplexing, kind of confusing, kind of hard to wrap our mind around and grasp for a moment. And he asks us to do these things for a reason. And the reason for it being hard to grasp is because we only see the micro view. We only see the little picture. Right. And a little picture usually includes just us. Right. We go into life and we look at this image of what life is supposed to be and what God's mission is supposed to be about. And we can't see further than just our own reflection. Not noticing that God, he, he loves a whole lot more people than just us. Amen. God is is concerned with and weaving together the events of more people's lives than just yours and mine. Amen? Amen. God is, he has a view that is across all time at the same time. The same eye of God that is watching Adam and Eve in the garden. The same eye of God that is seeing the Tower of Babel being built. The same eye of God that's seeing Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same eye of God that sees us right here, right now. His view is across all time. His view is on all people, and it's always for our good. But sometimes the mission can be perplexing. Sometimes God's mission will ask us at times to turn down money for a job position that will pay us more. Sometimes God's mission may require you to let go of family and friends. Sometimes God's mission will ask you to let go of athletics and sporting events and sports practices. It can be perplexing because you're asking yourself, God, don't you want me to have friends? God, don't you want me to be successful in life? God, don't you want me to have a lot of money and be able to drive a Tesla with no hands? God, don't you want these things for me? But when we ask questions like that, that's whenever we're looking at the micro view and not the macro view, the big view of what God is doing. And so as perplexing as God's mission is, I want you to know, I need you to understand that it is perfect. And if you're a note taker on this morning, and I, I don't know if you catch this, but usually I state the thesis of my studies at the beginning. Sometimes God's way is perplexing to us. It causes confusion. And when we see the micro instead of the, when we see the micro instead of the macro, but we would do well we would all do well. I'm not just speaking to you, but we would all do well to simply obey. Amen. Amen. 
To simply obey. Not ask questions, but simply obey. Amen. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 5. Turn with me, touch, whatever it is that you're doing today. All right. Okay, I hear some pages turning. Some people still have real Bibles. I opened up the new Bible app, and they're asking for a $40 donation. So if someone would kindly take all of my $40, I'd appreciate it. All right. Say amen if you're there. Say hold on if you're still turning or tapping. It's in the Old Testament. All right. It's okay to look at the table of contents. We're going to read the text in its entirety. We're only going to cover verses 1 through 12 today, right? 12 is a good number, right, Brother Rowe? Is 12 a good number? Yeah, look at numerology. 12 is a good number. So the Bible says this. Hey, Kendon, do me a favor. I'm not sure why that's NIV. It's probably from the last speaker. Pull up the uh, ESV. So the Bible says this. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over. Their hearts melted and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. Verse number two says, at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. Can we say second time? It's hard when people ask us to do things again. All right. Verse number three says, so Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeah Ha'aralath. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, Yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked 40 years. Can we say 40 years? 40 years. You know, 40 years will cause you to get used to a lot of things. Right? You get comfortable in 40 years. Amen to the married folks in here. 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished. Because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give to us. A land flowing with milk and honey. So it was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And when the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, today, can we say today? Today. today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they had kept or they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna, can we say manna? And the manna ceased the day after they ate the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, 
but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. As we look at this first verse, right? Let me catch you up if you haven't been following along. With the book of Joshua, what we have here is Moses, he's died, right? And for some of us, that's hard to grasp, but Moses did die, right? Moses died right here. Moses died, and Joshua takes over. And he's leading this group of people who who are new. They are descendants of the people who left from Egypt. And they're going into the land that God has promised. And so Joshua has taken over. God calls for him to be strong, be courageous, right? And this isn't just some tough guy macho stuff, but God is saying, I need for you to be uh, steadfast. I need for you to not fall to pieces when things get hard. I need for you to be resolute. And so he gives this task to Joshua. Joshua then sends spies into the first land that they're going to go into. But the first thing that they have to do, guess what they have to do before they go into the land? They got to cross over some water and cross through some water. And instead of it being the Red Sea this time, they're crossing through the Jordan River. And this Jordan River that they cross over is kind of like a border between where they are to the east of the land that is promised to them. And God calls or, and Joshua calls for these spies to go into the land of Jericho. This is the first place that they're going to go into. And he says, I want you to spy it out. And then they meet this prostitute named Rahab. Right. The story just gets weirder and weirder by the moment. Right. Um, these holy people of God. They're supposed to be going into this land and taking this land because it's been promised to them. And then they go into a brothel and they hang out with prostitute. Right. But this prostitute is a good woman. Because she has heard about Yahweh God and she says, I think that there may be something to this Yahweh person, right? This Yahweh God. I think there's something to him. I believe that he is God of heavens and God of the land. And so Rahab helps the spies. And in in essence, she helps God's people. And she kind of is grafted in as we are. Right. Um, And we see that she's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And so chapters three through four are God's people preparing to cross the Jordan and they cross the Jordan. And you look at verse number one of chapter five. And the Bible says, as soon as the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they crossed over, their hearts melted. There's kings inside of this land that they're about to go possess and they're hearing about Israel and they're hearing that God also not only dried up the Red Sea, but he dried up the Jordan so that they can walk through on dry land. And they're scared. Right. They're terrified. And you got to be thinking to yourself as you're reading Joshua at this point. All right. It's time. God is about to take them into Jericho because everybody's scared in the land. Everybody is shaking in their boots. Right. Mission accomplished, right? But there's an odd request before they go into battle. The Bible says in verse number two, at the time the Lord said to Joshua, he said, make flint knives. And Joshua's got to be saying to himself, I don't think that flint knives is going to be enough to go against Jericho. You see, they have these walls. And if I go in there with just a flint knife, I don't think that's going to be effective, God. But God says to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. That's an odd, odd request, y'all. That's an odd request because these are grown men. Usually it happens with babies in our culture, right? 
But these are grown men. He says, go and circumcise these men of Israel a second time. And a lot of us, when we're called upon to do things that are foreign, that are strange to us, we hesitate. and We say, I don't know about this. God, this sounds kind of funny, this thing that you want me to do. You mean you want me to be holy, God? God, you really want me to be a peculiar person whenever I just want to fit in? God, I just want to be able to sit at the table, at the break room, at the job or at the school, sit in the cafeteria, hang out with my friends, do these all types of things. God, I just want to I just want to be normal. But what God has called Joshua to do is not normal. It's abnormal. They're about to head into war. and He's telling them, I want you to wound every man that you have. And I don't think that they had bicycles and cars, so they're going to have to walk and there's going to be some strange walking. Right. It's, it's going to be strange. It's going to be some painstaking movements that take place with the Israelites. He says, I want you to get a Flintstone. Right. Not Fred or Barney. Right. Old people got it. All right. I want you to get this rock. <laughs> make a knife. Sharpen it up. Make a knife. Circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. What did Joshua do? We would do well to be like Joshua. Joshua, he went and he made the knife and he circumcised the sons of Israel at this mountain. Right. And I wish that we did have a small group today because I tell you what Gibeah Aralath means. Um, it's the hill. Well, it's the hill of discarded flesh. You can guess what that is, adults. Right. It's literally what that's called. It's the hill of that type of flesh. Um, that skin. Right. Joshua goes and he does this odd thing that God asked him to do. He discards the flesh there. He circumcises the sons of Israel there on the mountain. And you've got to be saying within yourself, God, this is this is different. We've been wandering around in the wilderness. Just think about this for a moment. They came from Egypt, which is where. Oh, man, y'all got to help me out. Egypt is where. Africa. There we go. Thank you, lady. He's seen the map. All right. So they go from Egypt and we'll say this is Egypt right here. Right. And they're where they're supposed to be going is about right here. Right. Africa down here. They're supposed to be going here. They cross the Red Sea. And instead of just going straight shot to where they're supposed to be going, they wander around and then they end up on the east side of where they're supposed to be. Right. And, you know, the east side usually ain't the good side. Right. Some of us grew up on the east side. We're harder than others. Um, <laughs> but they're on the east side of where they're supposed to be at. And they're like, this is different. We've wandered for 40 years. We've been all over the place. And now all of a sudden you're saying we need to have surgery before we're supposed to go into battle. Joshua's obedient to it. And he says, hey, hey, no problem, God. I believe you. I trust you. I have no no point in, in, in wondering if whether or not what you have to say is true. He's just obedient to the will of God. And I have to ask us today, when we're faced with doing something that is foreign, we're faced with doing something that is strange. How long does it take for us to obey? Think back for a moment. This is this is the anniversary of my installation here at the Avenue G Church of Christ. Remember when there were only black people in the room? And I said, we need to be intentional about not only having black people and having a black church. How foreign was that? Right. 
How 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 foreign was? And I'll tell you the truth. There are people out there. There's still people calling me a Tom, right? Uh, because I'm willing to go and worship with congregations that don't look like me. Someone asked me a question. Oh, I'm okay. You gotta tell me I'm all right. I'm I'm gonna be all right. Uh, somebody asked me, well, did Chris go white? No, Chris went Christ, right? And this is the thing about it is, it, it, the things that we do is foreign, is foreign to us because we've been more influenced by culture than we have Christ, right? We're influenced by, more by culture than we are Christ. And sometimes the things that God is asking us to do, it looks foreign, but it's been God's way the whole time. You see, they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And so when they hear that they're supposed to be circumcised, they think that it's foreign. But God has always called his people to be circumcised because it sets them apart from other nations in the land. Other people. Now, there were some nations and cultures at that time that circumcised, but it was different than what God called them to. God called them to circumcision because it set them apart, because they were getting rid of skin that was really useless. Right. Not only that, but it was to make a covenant. Getting rid of, rid of this thing, making a covenant, showing that they belong to God. And God is going to be their God and we're going to be God's people. Right. A physical mark of this. And so what is foreign to them has always been God's way. So I have to let you know, church, that when leadership, when God's people is asking you to do something that's foreign to you, I ask you to search and see. Is it the will of God, though? It may be foreign to us, but is it the will of God? Does God want what leaders are asking of you to do to happen? Right? Because I think it's going well. I think it's going well here with the, with the foreign things that we've asked you to do. Amen? And so we see. Uh, so Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the son of Israel at that, that, that weirdly named hill or mountain. And then we see a lost generation cannot influence the next. Verse number four, the Bible says, and this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. And I'm going to pause right here and say sometimes, sometimes church, sometimes some folks got to die off. There are some people who are stubborn and against the will of God. And they hold up progress. And they're stopping us from moving forward. Right. And the us that I'm speaking of are those who will be obedient to the will of God. There are some things that need to happen that are foreign to us, but are a part of the will of God. And just like in this instance, there were people who walk with Moses, who came out of Egypt, who, who put blood over their doorposts, who saw the plagues in Egypt. But yet they were still stuck in slavery. They walked through the waters of the Red Sea, y'all. They saw God and all that he had done through the plagues and going to war against the Egyptian gods. And as soon as they got out of the land of their bondage, mentally they were still slaves. They didn't have a Pharaoh, but they still belonged to him. Are y'all seeing what I'm saying? Let me, let me bring it more closely to where you are. There are some of us today who have become more obedient to the tradition of the Stone Campbell movement than we are to the word of God. Right? There are some of us today who have made the Bible a God and not God. Right? 
That's just the truth of the matter. And we're walking and we're wandering 40 years in the wilderness and we're saying, I know that we've been set free from this, but let me hold on to this thing because it makes me feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel comfortable. Y'all want some examples? There was a time when it was taboo to clap your hands in worship. It was seen as sinful. Don't you clap your hands. Don't you shout amen. Don't you say hallelujah. Don't you take that white tablecloth off the communion table. These were real things. These were things that were made to feel like they were. This is this is the gospel. And that's what we do sometimes. We take things that are tradition. And trust me, there's nothing wrong with tradition, y'all. Tradition points us to a, 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 a real belief, an honest truth. But sometimes when we make tradition the gospel, it hurts some things. And we're unwilling to change. Right? It says that the people who came out of Egypt, all men of war had died in the wilderness on their way after they had come out of Egypt because they couldn't let go of the past. They were saying within themselves as they were walking towards the promised land, the same land that God had told them would come. As they were walking, they were saying, you know what? It, it kind of was better when we were slaves in Egypt. We had meat to eat instead of the strange manna stuff. We had, we had a place to sleep instead of wandering in the wilderness. And God said, I cannot let this generation ruin the next generation. And I have to ask you this morning, church, which generation are you? Are you the one that's going to help get God's people where they need to be? Are you the one that's holding back, saying, no, change can't happen here? I wonder this morning. I truly wonder. You know, can, can I be candid with you? Can I be honest and real with you this morning? I preached the first sermon in this series and I talked about being strong and having courage over fear. Then I presented to you something that made some of you scared. And we chose fear instead of courage and strength. Amen. You don't have to say it. Some of us wore our steel toe boots in here this morning, but I'm trying to step on your toes. God is not asking us to do what we've always done. He's asking us to obey him. Right. Verse number five, the Bible said, though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. And so you have a generation of people, 40 years, who had not been circumcised. They had grown up not understanding what it means to really be in covenant with God. They knew what it meant to wonder. They knew what it meant to ask questions because they had saw people who asked too many questions, right? And complained too much, right? And to insist on being how they were in Egypt, they saw those people die. But they did not really understand what it meant to belong to God. And I want you to see the grace and mercy of God here in this. As they wandered for 40 years, God still protected them. 
God still protected them. God still fed them. God still showed them the way at daytime. God still showed them the way at nighttime. He led them through the land that, it, that was the wilderness. In verse number six, the Bible says, for the people of Israel walked how long? Y'all, the campground was smaller this year and it can't be. It couldn't have been. I think it's only 12 acres, but my feet still hurt. I can't imagine walking 40 years. 40 years they walked. And it says until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, they don't have warriors anymore. They perish because they did not what they did not obey. I'm not asking you to ask God why. I'm not asking you to ask God how. God simply wants us to obey. But God, this this has to be a cultural thing. This can't be relevant today. God is asking us to obey. He's not asking us to ask questions. Do we need to study? Yes. Do we need to ask questions of teachers, preachers? Yes, we need to ask those questions. But we are not to question God. Once we have truth, once we have clarity. Why are we still asking questions? There's things that are straightforward and we're still questioning God. about. Well, God, I really don't feel like a boy. God, I don't really feel like a girl. Can I just be fluid? Right. I just imagine fluid people always walking around doing this. Can I be gender fluid? Man, that, This isn't a question. Right. But we're still asking them. Right. It's 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 odd. Right. And it's kind of an insult to the intellect of God, right? And to his sovereignty to ask such questions. And for the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, they perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to, swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. There was going to be a land that was going to be plentiful, going to be able to provide the things that they needed. And God says, since you can't obey me, I'm not going to be your God. And I'm here to tell you today, it still applies. If we won't be God's people. Are y'all seeing this? Yes. If we're in covenant with God, if we're going to say, God, I want you to be my God, we need to be God's people. Amen. Right. That's that's pretty easy. Right. And so verse seven says, so it was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised. These are the descendants of these people. And God let a whole generation of people die so that he could work through an open and willing generation of people. Who are we, Avenue G? Are we the wanderers? Are we the ones who are coming before the generation that will take this place to the promised land? Are we the ones who are going to be obedient to the mission and the will of God and take the gospel to everyone in this neighborhood? The people across the street that may speak a different language than us, the people who sometimes sleep at the park. Are we willing to be those people? Are we going to say, you know what? At my last church, we just came and then we went home. At my last church, we had a daycare. At my last church, we had better donuts than Shipley's Donuts. <laughs> right? No no shade against Jack and Jill. Alright. Verse number 8. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places, which I'm reading this and I'm like, I'm sure they did. Uh, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. Right? Um, 
He circumcises them. They're injured. They remain there. After they're obedient to the will of God, Yahweh God, remember, all cast means what? All right, together, all cast means what? Yahweh. Yahweh. That's where Yahweh appears in the Bible. It's talking about um, God, right? Um, and the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, right? This is interesting language. Um, as he says this, he's speaking to them about something. He's saying, um, well, let's start off with the rolled part. When he said, I have rolled this away, I've, I've removed it from you, right? Um, picture of circumcision, they roll away, they cut, right? And he's saying, I have taken away from you the reproach of Egypt from you. I've taken this away from you. There are people from those nations around Egypt who saw you when you came out. And they know that you've been wandering for 40 years. And they know that you said you were going into a promised land, that you were going to a land flowing with milk and honey. But it's been 40 years and you look like failures. Y'all seeing this? God said, I'm changing that today. You're no longer going to look like failures. You're no longer going to look like people who just wonder without a God. God says, I'm changing that today. And some of our lives, some of our lives are full of struggle. And the path to obedience and the path of conversion doesn't stop until you're dead. And so you may have been a drug addict in your past life. And I know that some of us who struggle with addictions we go into these things and every day you wake up, even though you may not have taken a drink, even though you may not have smoked anything for years, you still feel the craving. Yeah, there's still a struggle present. People still remember seeing you high. People still remember seeing you lost. People still remember seeing you in and out of jail. People still remember seeing you and how you lost your husband, lost your wife. They remember that. But what does God do for his people? He reverses their fortune and he gives them the strength. He gives them the power through the Holy Spirit that dwells in them. He gives them the power to be changed, to be new. And no longer is the reproach ours. It doesn't matter to me if you still see the old me. I don't care what you see. I know that I've wandered through the wilderness and I'm headed to the promised land. Amen. You may see the me that I used to be, but I know what God sees. Amen, church. The Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. He says, no longer are they going to see you as wonders. Today, today a change is coming. And so the name of the place is called Gilgal to, that, to this day. And it's special because the, the word for rolled in Hebrew is galal, right? And the Hebrew word Gilgal sounds so similar to that. And it is reminiscent of that. When they go to that place, they remember the place where God rolled away the reproach. And some of us. We need to go back to the mountain where what used to be us was cut away. And we need to look at it and say, I remember who I used to be. I remember that I used to be just as confused as this community of people who say that they're anything from opposite gender to cats to whatever. I remember how confused I used to be when I thought wrong was right and right was wrong. I haven't always been holy. I haven't always been a collared wearing person. I can profess to you today the same mouth that I profess the word of God is the same mouth that I used to cuss people out with. Right? It's good to go back to those hills where that old flesh is. 
and just see how far God has brought you and see how God rolled away that which is not good and said, that's not you anymore. Now you're something different. Now you're something new. Amen. And so this happens for them. And then this is a new day and it's a new menu as well. Right. Some of us are hungry right now. Can't wait to get to Golden Corral. A new day, new menu. Verse number, uh, I'm going to start with Exodus chapter 12. I want you to see this. Exodus chapter 12, verse 43 to 49. The Bible says, and the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is a person who's dead now in the text that we're currently reading. Moses, his brother, this is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall what? No foreigner shall what? No foreigner shall eat of it. But every slave that is brought for money may eat of it after you have done what? You could not participate in the Passover meal unless you were circumcised. What does this mean, church? For 40 years, there's a generation of people who have not celebrated the Passover meal. The meal that in which of itself helps people to remember what God did for them in Egypt. It helps them remember that God protected them from the Egyptians. It helps them to remember that God went to war with every God in Egypt and won. It helps them to remember the blood of the lamb that was put over the doorpost and kept them safe from death. It helps them remember all of these things. And it also helps them remember that they have a God who will be faithful to them when they're faithful to him. And I want to add this tidbit in. I want you to see this as well. With the Passover, the original one, and with those that are come, God does what he does for his people before they're ever obedient to him, according to his covenant. Yeah, he's their God before they are even going to be his people. And so we see this in Exodus that you have to be circumcised. Even the ones who left Egypt and joined the Israelites, they have to be circumcised. It says no foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house. You shall not break any of his bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. We look at back at Joshua chapter 5, verse number 10. The Bible says, while the people of Israel were camped at Gilgal, the place where God rolled away what used to be, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening of the plains of Jericho. This is a generation of people who have never celebrated Passover. And it's here at this place. Once they crossed over the Jordan, the Jordan, once they've crossed over the Jordan, once they've made it to uh, uh, Gilgal. They are people who no longer think about where they used to be. They're only focused on where they're going. Are y'all hearing this? There are people who no longer are dwelling on and and, and captured by and enslaved by what they used to be. They are people who are focused on where they are going. And I have to let you know, church. We, too, need to be focused on where we're going, not where we've been. The church is living. Amen. I believe it by myself. Me and Brother Roe believe it. Amen, Brother. The church is living. Where are we going? Where are we going? How are we how are we changing in a land where Christianity is dying? What are the best the, the best practices, right? 
the best ways to reach people in this age where no one wants to recognize the capital L-O-R-D. And all people just want to do really is just be spiritual people. And maybe we should talk about the spirit that we have. If they're going to be focused on being spiritual people, we have that too. Right? While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month of the evening of the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. I want you to see. I want you to see what's happening here. God has provided for them 40 years manna as it falls down from heaven. They drank water from what? Strange uh, 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 things. A rock, right? God provided water for, for them from a rock. They went to a place and they drank water that was bitter and God made it sweet. But here, now, they exist in the promised land. They're eating things that come from that land. The land flowing with milk and honey. And God has fulfilled his promises. But church, I need you to see this. Jericho is in Jerusalem. Did you catch that, Brother Roy? Thank you. Brother Roy Foss. Jericho is in Jerusalem, church. Yes, they have wandered for 40 years. Yes, they went from being in Africa to going around and being the east of the place that God had promised for them. But Jericho, as they sit on the edge of the borders of Jericho, Jericho is not Jerusalem. We cannot be content just because we have deacons here at this church. Can I, can I say that? We can't be content because we're better than what we used to be. We're our shepherds. Yeah. Yeah. Where are our teachers that should be teaching, that have the gift to teach? Where are those with the gift of administration? Where are those who can sing? Where are those who can solely? Where are those who can serve? Where are those who can plant? Where are the people? Because I fear that here at this church, we're okay with approaching Jericho when we haven't even made it to Jerusalem. I'm, I'm just being candid and real with you guys today. There are a lot of people that are okay with counting out on the outside of Jericho. And we haven't made it anywhere close to Jerusalem. I'm going to use that example. I know she don't want me to. But Sister Bond should not be doing tech every week. Mic drop. There shouldn't be one person doing all the ministries in the church. The problem is, is that we've gotten comfortable. We've gotten comfortable and we don't want to challenge ourselves and we don't want to do things. And the mission of God is still the mission of God. If we won't go, who will? Right now, I love what I see among our people. I love the, 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 the diverse community that exists. I love seeing young people in the crowd. Amen. This is still Amen. not Jerusalem, though. We haven't even made it past the borders of Jericho. There's more to do. And we are people of more. If you won't be, I will. <clears throat> they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes, and they're on the border of Jericho. And the manna ceased the day after they ate the produce of the land. That's a blessing right there. That's a diet change. Now, I heard that manna was good. It seemed like it was good. They, they described the taste of it. But I'd rather be eating steaks. All right. The manna ceased the day after they ate the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. 
God brought them into this new place. God said, no more. You have to eat this stuff that you call what is this stuff? Right. That's what is manna. What is this? That's what it means. I want to remind you the verse that Austin read. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse two. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you. Testing you to know what was in your heart. This testing was not for God, but for them. They needed to see what was in their heart. God was seeing, letting them see exactly who they were. This place here at Avenue G was born through a terrible split. And a lot of us wondered for a while, right? Suffered for a while. Have you learned anything, though? Who are you? Are you a person who is obedient to the will of God? Are you willing to do that which is perplexing? Not impossible, but perplexing. These people were. Look at what else it says. God took them to the wilderness so that they could so to know what was in their heart, what, what, whether you would keep the commandments or not. And it says in verse number three, he humbled you, let you hunger. Fed you with manna. He let them hunger. He only gave them the recommended calories. And I know that a lot of us, it's, it's foreign to us to eat recommended calories. Right? You go get a bag of chips that says that 15 pieces is a, a recommended serving. And we get the whole bag. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm the only one that does that? Okay. Okay, sure. He let them feel hunger. So that they would only hunger for him. He gave them this manna. Which they did not know. The fathers didn't know. That he might make you know that man does not live by what? And you read this and you think to yourself. Man does not live by bread and that's a, that's a familiar phrase we hear from Jesus as he quotes it. But as we really chew on this and we really meditate and we coo and we growl like a lion, right, on this thing, living by bread alone. Are we living by that which God has given to us? Do we have faith enough to go into territories that are uncharted? Do we have faith enough to do things that we've never done before for the sake of the mission of God? Are we willing to say, God, you said it, I believe it, I'm going to do it? In that order? Are we that type of people? Are we just the people that's wandering? God is just waiting for the next generation to come and will be obedient to his will. The mission is perplexing, but not impossible. Perplexing, but not impossible. We see proof of that. The perplexing mission that we began with was made possible. What else is God doing now? What else will we be willing to be obedient to? That's my message for today. Um, If you're not a Christian today, I want you to know that you live beneath your privilege. God has written a love story to you in the Bible. 
He knew you before you were you. He knew you as you were forming in your mother's womb. And he thought about you even before the foundation of the earth. Yes, you. Not just the holy people in the room. There's a holy section in the room. I won't point it, point it down. You're thinking like, which section is the holy section? God thought about you before he created the world. And he said, this person is going to need me. And so I'm going to send my son to this earth. He's going to put on flesh. He's going to live as a human being. He's going to feel every physical pain that you feel. He's going to feel every emotion that you feel. He's going to go through life and be abandoned by his closest friends, the people that he provided for, the people whose feet he washed. Those same feet are going to run away from him when he needs them the most. And he did it. And he lived. And he ministered. Do you believe that that's true? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God? Are you willing to then do something about it? It's one thing to believe in a thing, but will you do something about what you believe? Right? Will you do something? Will you change this right here? Change your mind. You've been living, doing whatever it is that you want to do in your crazy lives. You know, I've lived a crazy life. I made a mistake one time. Right? Are you willing to change this? And reorient reoriented towards God's will, right? Will you confess that Jesus Christ is the son of God with your mouth? The same thing that Jesus did, the same thing that cost him his life. Will you do that? And pledge your allegiance to Jesus. And the last thing you must do, you must be baptized for the remission of your sins. Bothering you. If you know that you're about your soul salvation, right now is the time to do so. When they hear the same message from Peter on the day of Pentecost and they're bothered in and they're saying, Peter, what must we do to save? He says, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. That doesn't mean that it's only for the perfect, because if you were perfect, there would be no need for remitting anything. But what Peter, in essence, is saying is God knows that you've been speeding. He knows that you've been breaking the law. He knows that you've not been obeying him. What he wants you to do is come to him so he can do something about it. He knows you're guilty, but he's going to make you new. He's going to wipe all the sins away. And you'll start at that point on that day that you decide to obey the gospel, be baptized for remission of your sins. You'll begin that day on a new path headed towards eternity with God. I invite you to do so, please, as we sing the song of invitation. Thank you, thank you, Lord. If you stand in need of prayer today, Lord, you want to be baptized even, come forward. One of these two Lord. men will pray with you. We'll baptize you today. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God 